every interaction that a customer has with the brand is an opportunity to build trust or erode trust. You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, where James Robert interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 66th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series and I'm excited to welcome Sue Woodard to the show. Sue brings over 30 years of financial services and mortgage experience along with strategic vision as the chief customer officer at Total Expert where her focus is on helping customers achieve greater productivity and long-term success. As a bit of a thrill seeker, she's actually skydived over Vegas. She's walked on hot coals. She's Harley down Route 66. She's run a Ragnar through the desert and has cage dived with great white sharks. But she claims nothing is more exciting than parenting her daughter in Minneapolis, who just graduated uh, from college, correct? She did. Graduated from college, bought a house. It's full-on adulting, as they say. That's that's, that's, that's where things get fun and I'm glad uh, that you're joining today for this conversation, Sue. You know, I'll never forget the first time uh, that you and I met. It was in Austin, Texas. It was at the American Bankers Strategic Growth Conference. I was facilitating a session. You peeked your head in the, the, the back of the room. I was saying a couple words, and I'm, you gave me two thumbs up. And I'll never it's – it's, 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 it's seared. It is seared into my memory. And, you know, it, it's been great getting to know you, watching just your own personal growth, watching the growth of, of Total Expert. But I do have to ask, on a personal side, walking on hot coals and cave diving with sharks, yeah. what's, what's the backstory on, on those right there? Because I was like, that's, that's interesting. So I have to tell you, I've always had as a bit of a, a life philosophy, and 99% of the time it served me very well, is that I would always rather try something, given the opportunity, I'd rather try something and maybe wish I hadn't, than not try something and later on wish I had. And so that has led me into a lot of very interesting places, including the cage diving, including the, you know, skydiving, the Harleying, the um, and, and you know what, I wouldn't trade a second of it. Uh, when I think especially right now, the world that we're living in, when we can't necessarily go do all the things we want to do, I'm really blessed and grateful that I, I chose to say, say yes to so many things uh, and opportunities. You know, it's, it's, it's so good to hear you say that because I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt, if I'm not mistaken, do one thing a day that scares you. And right that's, actu- that's actually uh, part of uh, Lululemon's, uh, you know, branded uh, on mantra bags. on their bags. Exactly right. And so to, to see you live that out, um, particularly like you said now, it's something that I'm a big believer in too. You, 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 you kind of lean in to the fears and, and you learn a lot. And, and, and speaking about this idea of learning, when you reflect back, on the previous year on 2020 what have been some of the greatest lessons that you have learned you know in the space of marketing 
for financial brands, leadership mm-hmm. for financial brands, sales for financial brands. If, what are some of the greatest lessons when looking back that, that you've learned and gained? Yeah, I think so. The, the top one that I would say is really just the unbelievable importance of the customer journey and the customer experience. And now that's, I know that's like, oh, the customer experience is kind of a buzzword that everybody's paying attention to right now. But I think we all got extremely challenged in 2020 on what does that look like and really revisiting that and reimagining that. And in fact, some of the mistakes I saw people made is when they didn't reinvent, reimagine, revisit, take a look at some of the way that they were communicating. Um, what the words were, what the cadence was, what the channel was that they were using. If you didn't like pretty early on last year, really take a hard pause and in your sales and marketing efforts, make sure that that customer experience was reimagined to suit the new environment that we're still somewhat operating in. It was a huge opportunity to, to make a difference and a huge opportunity to potentially make some mistakes. And we, we saw some of both last year. You know, we certainly saw some brands that, very quickly and very early on stopped and said, okay, people aren't going to be coming into branches. And along with that, people are in right now more so than any time. And, you know, at least probably since 2008, there and a lot of people are in financial crisis and need education. They are perhaps, you know, if not themselves, one degree of separation away from someone who is wondering, how the heck does this PPP thing work? How am I going to pay my bills? Do I still have to keep paying my mortgage? What's going to happen if, how do I educate myself? I mean, and, and literally what I think one of the fantastic things was, is as everybody looked at that customer journey and chose how they were going to jump into that, I think in 2008, financial services, banks, mortgage, et cetera, was, we were uh, kind of considered the, the bad guys, right? I remember being on a flight, um, you'll appreciate this, and, and sometimes on a flight, it's my only time to not talk to someone, right? And just a little quiet time, the guy next to me wanted to talk, wanted to talk. And he asked me, you know, finally, he's like, you know, what do you do for a living? And I told him that I was in, you know, banking and, and mortgage. And he said, oh, and he took his arm off the, the armrest next to me, put in his headphones and didn't say a word the rest of the flight. So, um, you know, we were really seen as, you know, just a kind of the, you know, the worst of the worst in 2008. But the difference now is that we get to be the ones to step in and actually provide that education, that knowledge, that guidance that people are so desperately seeking. It's funny, you know, you, you, you talk about being on airplanes and taking flights and and that is your your solace. And I'm right there with you because it's like, you know, you you go and you're speaking at events, you're you're, you're meeting people. And I'll never forget. It's like the, the, the flight home, particularly the flight home. It's like I just get on the plane, you know, I put my headphones on and I don't. I don't we, we don't have like traditional TV and, and, and don't even watch much streaming. We, we've canceled Netflix actually now, uh, you know, in the pandemic. We did subscribe to um, a couple of learning platforms, my wife and I, uh, Masterclass being one. And we've we've actually enjoyed learning uh, together in the pandemic. But but, yeah, you, 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 you get that solace and that's your thinking time. That's your reflection time. And and that's something that I kind of do miss when we think about where we're at. But I want to focus on these two areas that you've identified these great lessons customer journey customer experience some have leaned into that as as we were talking about before leaning into to the opportunities leaning into some of the fear some have decided to maybe just play it safe let's look at both sides of the coin there because customer journey customer experience they're 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 intertwined mm-hmm. what is holding some back do you feel from making the transformations needed 
to optimize both the customer journey and customer experience in this post-COVID world that we're still navigating through? You know, it's interesting that I still hear a lot of um, a lot of financial brands say that they are constrained by regulation from pure, like from, from truly having a very um, across the silos within the institution um, that they're somehow constrained. In fact, I'll tell you a story. I will, the bank shall go unnamed, but sure. the bank that I bank at, I went into and um, I remember the, the gentleman telling me, the banker telling me very proudly that they did not communicate through the, between their different channels. And um, he said, so, you know, the, the checking account and depository, you know, they're not communicating with our wealth area and that's wow. totally different than our lending area. And I kind of pushed him on it. And I said, you know, because he was saying it with quite, you know, a bit of pride. And I said, you know, it'd actually be helpful for me as the customer if you did, you know, because otherwise you just know checking account Sue and credit card Sue and, you know, wealth account Sue, but you're not, you don't know Sue and you should because I've been banking with you for 30 years. And so he, he kind of talked about it, but it was a regulatory thing. Um, and so I, I, I question and I would push on how much of that, you know, is true. I mean, certainly there are fears out there and I get it. You know I mean? We don't have to, you know, name the names of the, you know, the brands that, that kind of brought this big issue to light about really inappropriate cross-selling and the things that were actually some very bad practices going on. But I feel like oh. people <laughs> We've, so I've ad- Yeah, I've addressed them. I've actually addressed that yeah. on, on, on this podcast because it is, I think it does create a bit of fear for those that, you know, they want to do the right thing, but it plants some seeds of doubt in their mind and, and and when i hear you you share that story i can't help but think that if i was to go to the doctor i was to go to my gp and my gp was like you know we don't really talk to your cardiologist and we really don't talk to your neurologist and we really don't talk to your rheumatologist we just we're just here and that would really kind of put me in a precarious place and i would yeah. start asking a lot of questions that i yeah. but i think that because there's so much of a correlation and connection between financial health and physical health how do we get right. those who might be you know have some seeds of doubt how do we get them to transform their thinking so that they can transform their doing and apply the necessary changes when it comes to optimizing customer journeys, customer experiences. Well, what I, what I would ask the consideration would be, or suggest that it would be is more of a focus on, you know, listening to the customer and being responsive to it across all of the data points that you have versus selling something to the customer that they may or may not want. Right. Um, Because I actually think that the, a little bit more of that siloed approach that they think is protecting them. Also it lends itself to inappropriately pushing, you know, a product that may not be appropriate for someone if you don't have the full picture. When you've got all of the data points across that entire customer and and there's so much out there to to that you should know about someone when you can see all their patterns and their credit and their history, all these different things. Um, I think it lends itself to if you're the, you know, it's like that that phrase um uh, to the to the man with a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Well to the to the marketer for, you know, just X <laughs> channel inside of a bank or X, you know, business division, everything looks like an opportunity for X thing. You know, if you're the auto marketing person, everything is going to look like an opportunity for an auto loan, and it might be really inappropriate. 
So I would suggest that looking at it from a broader perspective, every single time a big life event happens for someone, it almost always in some point is going to require their financial institution. You know, somebody is getting ready to go to college. Somebody is getting married. Somebody is getting divorced. Somebody is retiring. In all of those cases, you need the guidance of great financial services firms, and it should be the place where you've got, you know, hopefully most of your, of your information, your accounts and your assets and so forth. And so it'd be, think about what a joy that would be for somebody to, to be able to know that and be responsive to your life events and your life experiences and be able to serve up the right things rather than either saying the wrong thing or saying nothing, you know, you've probably heard Joe, while you say our CEO say many times, um, every interaction that a customer has with the brand is an opportunity to build trust or a road trust. Every interaction that they have is an opportunity to build trust or a road trust. And I would, would further say, sometimes it's not the interaction that you're having. It's the absence of an interaction. You know, it's, it's about making deposits, making micro deposits into a person's trust bank, their trust fund, if you will, that sits between their ears. It can take weeks, months, even years to make enough deposits for them to take a specific action. And it can take minutes to deplete that trust fund altogether because of a bad recommendation, a bad experience. And so... You know, I was having a conversation with Jody, who's the chief marketing officer at Social Assurance the other day, and we were talking about, she comes from the retail world, you know, working in retail, working at Macy's, just as I, I mean, you know, my, my last job almost 20 years ago before, before starting this company was working at Old Navy, and we had some of the best training, sales training, and it was really about leaning in to the customer, literally as they walk through the door. The challenge though that we see now in the post-COVID, they're not walking through the door from a financial services perspective. What are the opportunities now? Because I, you know, we've talked some of the challenges. Let's look at some of the opportunities. What are the opportunities to lean into their life, to use your words, kind of these life moments? I, I'm thinking about your daughter. She, she's she's graduated, she's, she's adulting. So much opportunity to help guide her through her life because money, you know, we're finding even through our own primary research now post-COVID, 80, 85% of people are saying they're feeling financially stressed. Yep. What can financial brands do to lean into these moments for people to take a proactive stance in their life and not the reactive one we've been so used to waiting for people to walk through the door and raise their hand saying, I need help because that time, by that time, it's sometimes too late. I would say there's a couple different things. And, and, you know, one of the beautiful things that everybody listening to this that we all have in common as we think about these, these puzzles, regardless of what your role is, I would suspect every single person listening to this has relationships with financial institutions, right? So we are in and of ourselves, our own little secret shoppers. Yes. <laughs> right? So we can, cause we can see the problems ourselves because we're, we're engaged with, you know, whether it be a bank or a credit union or, you know, whatever kind of lender, we can see where some of the gaps are. So I, I would say that there's a couple of different things in terms of what can people do. One of the things, and I've seen some brands doing this really well is, you know, it's like a, I don't know if it's a phrase or if it's a, a, a verse, but, you know, you, sometimes we do not have because we do not ask. Sometimes purely asking some of the questions rather than, a, than making assumptions 
on the data that you see. I mean, sometimes we, you know, people get all caught up with being predictive and AI and all these things. We're going to guess what it is. How about we actually ask some of the questions, right? How about we are asking consumers, you know, what would be most helpful to you right now in the space that you're in? Are, are you more like this in your life? Are you more like you're starting a business? Are you, you know, struggling financially and need some help on, you know, budgeting and what, um, you know, foreclosure relief looks like, or, you know, whatever, you know, asking some of these questions, where are you at in your life? Are you starting a family? Are you getting, you know, ask some questions and, and then provide the second big piece of it is being responsive and educating. There's such a massive opportunity for education. And I still see so much information coming out that is promoting, we have this great rate on this thing. I mean, everybody's got a great rate on all the things right now. Like we don't need that kind of messaging right now, but what we need, and I think keeping an eye towards it may be for the person that you're talking to, and it may be one, a person who is again, one or two degrees of separation away from that person who needs to hear it. And talking, again, educating, not assuming what people know. I think there's, um, I think it's a very common fallacy that when you're in a marketing seat, Sometimes you forget after X number of years, you kind of feel like, well, everybody knows this, you know, there's all kinds of people who don't know all kinds of things. <laughs> the curse, the curse of knowledge. Right, right. And especially as the world changes, maybe you did know it, but it's different now, you know, things are changing so quickly. So I just think such a huge focus on education is a huge way. I love that you described it as a trust fund because it's, it's very true. And, and that's how you build relationship. And I, I, you know, and I guess the third thing I would say, um, in addition to that, would be really making sure with your digital interactions that you're paying attention to what the, and, and utilizing technology that allows you to be responsive through a variety of different channels. Um, you know, if the person seems to be indicating that they'd rather be doing this via text, then you know what, figure out how to switch to text, but not lose the conversation. If the person takes a certain action, it should tell you something so that you can go somewhere different on that journey with them rather than the old school of, I'm just gonna bang this message on their head 10 times, see what happens at the end of it, right? It's, it's utilizing, again, the technology that is out there to be able to be more responsive and a little more intelligent with your communication. Technology has transformed our world and digital has changed the way consumers shop for and buy financial services forever. Now consumers make purchase decisions long before they walk into a branch, if they walk into a branch at all. But your financial brand still wants to grow loans and deposits. We get it. Digital growth can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming for any financial brand marketing and sales leader. But it doesn't have to because James Robert wrote the book that guides you every step of the way along your digital growth journey. Visit www.digitalgrowth.com to get a preview of his best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside, you'll find a strategic marketing manifesto that was written to transform financial brands, and it is packed full of practical and proven insights you can start using today to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Now back to the show. So I hear a couple of things that I'm going to synthesize and distill down these three points. Ask number one, educate number two, engage number three. And I can't help but think about, you know, one of the acronyms that we teach this, this idea of going all in, you ask, you listen, you learn, and then you can lean in. 
to the problems that people have and then off, offer them the prescription or the solutions to, to their pain points. But what a novel idea to just ask. And, and I can't help but think of, the, uh, you know, I, I shared some insights around this. It was episode number 57 and giving a framework that financial brands can use, that MLOs can use on the marketing side, the sales side, the leadership side. The question is, how do you want to grow in your life? And it's another, because I think of acronyms, it's the only way this ADD brain can remember stuff. So I have to do word association. So grow, it's, you know, what are your goals? What are the roadblocks that stand in your way? And then what are the opportunities that you'd like to create? And we always frame this around a specific time period. And I call this the, the coffee and cocktail question. Imagine, Sue, you and I are having this conversation. Let's just say, uh, two years from now, uh, we're having we're having coffee, and you're in a really good place. And I ask you, Sue, what has happened over your life, you know, over the last two years to get you in this really good place? And you stop, you pause, you take a sip of your coffee, and you think and you reflect. What has to happen for you to feel good about the progress that you've made? Mm-hmm. And you know, we're doing more training around this this methodology of how you want to grow as part as a, as a larger part of really it's it's change management. It, it's something that we we've been working with financial brands on internally, but we see the same opportunity to use this exercise externally to have conversations with prospective account holders and with current account holders to dig into their unique situation. Because if you think about what is the role of marketing? What is the role of sales? And what is the role of leadership? They all intersect that we're wanting people to act. Marketing is wanting to, you know, we have calls to action. Sales is wanting to lead to the close. And leadership is wanting to guide people to the future. And it all requires someone to act. And there's another acronym. It takes awareness. And awareness comes from what? asking good questions. You have to help someone become aware of what their opportunities are, what's standing in their way, what their goals are, number one. The second thing, the C, what does it take? It takes courage to move forward. And to your point, coming back to your three, we ask to create awareness. We can use education to build courage. And when you have awareness and an increase in courage, that ultimately will lead to someone's eventual transformation. And that transformation will happen through engagement. So awareness plus courage leads to transformation. I love that. I'm taking notes here. Like this is, <laughs> this is good stuff. I love that. I'm the same way. I love a good acronym. So that's a, uh, but that's brilliant. The awareness, the courage to move forward and transformation. And, and I love actually you kind of drilling down on some of the ask point because it, it feels obvious. And, and honestly, sometimes it's as simple as you know, relationships all have some similarities between them, right? And it's it's largely any great relationship is purely, you know, generally based on relationship, right? Especially relation, you know, some kind of relationship where trust is in very important to it. It's all about the communication. And so it is yeah. asking good questions and then truly listening and understanding yes. what is what is heaven for you and what is hell for you. And there's, you know, it's interesting. You reminded me of there's these four questions I heard this from a sales trainer a million years ago. His name is escaping me. He was like old school, used to use like the overhead projectors. 
some of your audience won't even remember those, but you know what I'm talking about, right? I know exactly. I, oh, I, I, Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy. Brian You're, Tracy. Yes, Brian I know Brian Tracy. Tracy. Okay. I get his emails. Yeah. I still get oh, his emails. I love him. So, but one of the things he said in a talk, and I'll never forget this because I think about this a lot when I'm talking to current customers, and it's just, I, I think it was, it's helpful, is more, less, start, stop. Okay. So it's four questions that you ask somebody that you've got a current, you know, a current customer. What is it I could be doing more of for you? What do you wish that we would be doing more of? Less. What do you, what do you wish we'd be doing a little bit less of? What's going on right now that, that you wish was happening a little less? What am I not doing at all right now that you wish I would start doing? You know, just a gap where we're not, we haven't done something. You want us to start doing it. And what's happening right now that you wish we would just stop? doing it all together, more or less start, stop. And for extra fun and bonus points, bring it home to your spouse or partner. You know, these are exciting, you know, fun questions, but they're really good relationship building questions. And I think why not even be thinking about that with, with our customers? I mean, they're, they're, they're full of information when you ask them some of these open-ended questions. You know, and I think this is the challenge for the dear listener. When was the last time that you in marketing, sales or leadership, you created the space to stop and pause, to stop doing digital, to stop and pause, to have these conversations because I think we get so caught up in the doing, the transaction. We need to do more and more and more. And and, and, and to this point, you know, we, you, you add things to your quote unquote to-do list. You shared a profound LinkedIn post recently to start the new year, which was instead of, you know, a to-do list and adding more things to the to-do list. You wanted to take a different approach and making a not to-do list or what I call a don't do list. Can you expand upon this thinking? Because, you know, this might be the only way that marketing sales and leadership teams can create the space and time to have some of these very, very powerful conversations that build relationships which ultimately build trust and this takes time yeah yeah well it, it's interesting because it goes back to a conversation we we're ha- having before we started our, our official interview here right where i tend to be a person maybe like a lot of folks listening here who i i say yes to things right and so i say yes to opportunities we we're talking about you know my skydiving and cage diving with sharks and harleying and you know some of these different things but i tend to say yes to a lot of things and one of the things yes i've had to be extremely disciplined about is what to say no to because the phrase that i used is behind every no is a better yes and um, warren buffett says that the most successful people in this world are the ones who say no or he said the difference between the successful and the really successful are the really successful say no to almost everything and what that does is when you think about so behind every no is a better yes meaning if you really just kind of pause and are very intentional about what are you doing and how are you spending your time? And are you just doing this because you're just in the, you know, you're in the fray and you're in the churn and you're just doing the thing because the next thing has to go out in the next, you know, and being able to just pull up even for a day. Sometimes people say, I don't even have a day to do it. Well, imagine you got sick. You'd suddenly have a day. So just pretend you're sick, have a day and stop and really critically look at what are you doing and what are the things that you need to stop doing to create the space to do the things that you should be doing. And I think in a lot of cases, people probably know some of the things that they like to be doing that they should be doing. Maybe it is asking some questions, maybe it is educating, but it's, I, I think it's carving out the time to be very intentional rather than just 
continuing down a path that we're just doing the thing that we do because this is this is what we do. And part of that, I would say, you know, one of the things we certainly did at, at Total Expert, and I would highly encourage people to do, in fact, the beginning of the year is a beautiful time to do it, is really map out what does that current customer experience look like. And people that I will talk to sometimes get super hung up on, oh, I got to find the right software and the right journey mapping tools. I tell you, you know what, get a stack of post-it notes and a Sharpie and just do it, you know, map out for your- Whiteboard it, whiteboard it. Exactly, exactly. It does not have to be super complicated, but visually you start to see the gaps immediately, right? And then once you see that, then you start saying, okay, there's a gap, gap, gap. Let's prioritize those gaps. How do we start plugging them in? And then really document it. You know, it's another big thing we did is, you know, we we really, once we saw, we had plenty of gaps in our own journey, (laughs) right? But documenting what does your customer plan look like? You know, and I just think if every financial brand doesn't have the ability to kind of pull out their plan and say, this is what our customer, our ideal customer journey and customer experience um, really looks like. And if I, I would also really encourage people to think about critically about what the experience is and test it, not just what you think the experience is because you're sending out the things and you think that they're landing. Yes. Yeah, There's that's where the objectivity comes in. That's where we've been doing so much more digital secret shopping studies. And they're yes. so enlightening because we have a perceived, like, awareness or, you know, perception is reality that we think something is happening, but in reality, it's really not. And that's creating a lot of pain. Uh, and coming back to Joe's perspective, you know, it's 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 depleting the trust bank. And so yeah. when, we, when, when we think about this idea of customer journey, customer experience, we, we've had a lot of good, very practical things that we can start to apply. For example, the post-it notes, the whiteboard, this doesn't have to be high tech. It can be low tech, but that low tech begins to create a high touch experience. When it comes to customer journey, journey, customer experience, what is a common belief that this industry has around customer journey, customer experience that you just passionately disagree with? A belief this industry has that I passionately disagree with. Yeah. Like what is a common belief that the industry has with customer journey, customer experience, but they might be I guess wrong. I would say that, that, um, <laughs> that they are the hero of their story, right? I, I would say that I viscerally disagree that the bank credit union the tech company whoever it is that you are the hero in your story i viscerally disagree with that your customer is the hero of the story and you can only have one hero in a story and it's not about you it is about your customer and there is such a glaringly missed opportunity in my opinion to raise up customers and tell their stories that is the most, I mean, we're both, you know, we both do a lot of reading. That's what's compelling. Human beings are like, it's in our DNA that we're attracted to stories, right? You're attracted to stories. You're attracted to faces. Um, I think this genetically goes way back in our history with how we're wired. And so often those opportunities are just missed. Tell a story, tell a story about your customer. Your customer is the hero. And, and I still, like I said, we're all part of our own kind of secret shopping enterprise just because we've, we've got, we, we all have bank accounts in different places. Think a little bit about the, the stuff that you get from your financial institution. Does it grab you? Or are you already like, before I even open it, I, I know this is probably not going to be interesting. It is so true. You know, that story and narrative has been such a big personal study of what we've done over here over the past. Going back, really, we started that study 
four or five years ago out of frustration of going to speak at conferences and hearing speakers from the stage, you know, you have to tell a better story. And it made me mad. Well, what, that's great. I agree. But what does that look like? And so, you know, doing a lot of anthropological studies, you know, going back and reading narrative structure and literature structure, Joseph Campbell's The Heroes with a Thousand Faces. There's so much opportunity, I think, around this idea of anthropology and specifically digital anthropology to Mm -hmm. inject some humanity back into the digital experience if there's one thing if there's one thing that you could recommend financial brand marketing sales and leadership teams to really commit to because it's not about adding 10 things to to the to-do list what is the one thing that you could recommend when it comes to optimizing the customer journey and the customer experience when we look out into the future? What would that one thing be? I guess it would be just to keep an unrelenting focus on that customer experience. And I know that that sounds broad, but what I would tell you is to, you can use that as a North Star to vet out everything that you're doing. How does this add to, you know, the experience for a customer that's actually, you know, sitting there? Is this really going to engage them? Is this really going to help them feel more engaged with us? Is this really going to make any meaningful impact on them? What does this do for them? Because again, I, I, and I can just gauge this by, you know, the, the marketing that I receive and probably lots of folks listening and hopefully lots of you are doing better. If you're here, you're probably a very smart financial marketer, I'd like to say, but, but really being so thoughtful about what place does that play and does that interaction build trust or does it erode trust and keeping that as a central focus. There's so many things that are outside of our control. I'm really just, I feel like, you know, maybe it's naive to say that the the numbers come, but when you put your customer first and you are, are communicating with them and really putting yourself in their seat and operating with huge empathy for, for what they are going through and what they want and what they need and how they need it. And always gauging with that as your compass and your North star, I feel like the metrics and the money will will follow absolutely put people at the center of all of your thinking put people at the center of all of your doing and that will then lead to the opportunities required to maximize a financial brand's digital growth potential so this has been such a great conversation today thank you for all of the knowledge thank you for all of the insights that you have shared uh with with the listeners if anyone is is listening and they have a follow-up question they want to connect they want to continue the conversation with you uh, what is the best way for them to reach out say hello and find you i would love that you can certainly email me at sue.woodard w-o-o-d-a-r-d no second w sue.woodard at totalexpert.com or uh, follow me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active out there, as are you, sir. And uh, we'd love to see you out there as, as part of a group. Absolutely, absolutely. Everyone is always welcome, Sue. You're doing great, amazing work. You, the rest of the Total Expert team, uh, I wish you guys nothing but the best. And thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. Thank you. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and wash your hands. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Like what you hear? Tell a friend about the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify and subscribe while you're there. To get even more practical and proven insights, visit www.digitalgrowth.com to grab a preview of James Robert's best-selling book, Banking on Digital Growth, or order a copy right now for you and your team from Amazon. Inside 
inside, you'll find a strategic marketing and sales blueprint framed around 12 key areas of focus that empower you to confidently generate 10 times more loans and deposits. Until next time, be well and do good.